Uh, so let's see how return to play is shaping up right now. Yep, let's kick things off with the NHL. Phase 3 of their return began on July 13th as the 24 remaining teams started their training camps. And uh, the August 1st start date that we mentioned in our last episode, that has been officially confirmed to take place in Toronto and Edmonton. And I'm very excited because the Hurricanes will play the very first game back for the NHL, the uh, noon slot on August 1st. Very excited. Hopefully we show up. Yeah, hopefully. Um, Moving to WNBA. Um, WNBA players have moved to their bubble in Bradenton, Florida. Bradenton. Yep, there you go. The schedule has been released, and we're excited for it. We have a tentative schedule of topics to talk about, and the WNBA is on the schedule for later this month. Um, Who do you think takes the opening game between the Seattle Storm and New York Liberty? I mean, this is really a marquee matchup for the NBA. They have um, Brianna Stewart on one side and Sabrina Unescu, the number one pick, on the other. I'm going to go Seattle Storm. They have a bit more depth. They have a couple players coming back from injury, but they are my choice to take the opener. I think it'll be a New York Liberty, honestly. I think Unescu will take over and ball out, and the Liberty's just going to come home with the win. All right, so for the first time in this return to play segment, we mentioned a person returning but not due to a COVID-related pause. Tiger Woods will be playing at the Memorial Tournament this upcoming week. How do you think his return to play is going to go? I think it will go well. You know, he looked solid in the match in May, but you know, he did play against two quarterbacks, Tom Brady and Payne Manning, and then Phil Mickelson. Um very different than an actual tournament, but regardless, he looked solid. I think that will continue. He had to withdraw from a tournament uh, in February, the Riviera, due to back issues. But um, like he said, he looked pretty solid in uh, back in the match. So, yeah, I hope that he comes back better than ever. Yeah, back to soccer. The Champions League draw was held on Friday to determine the matchups from the quarterfinals onward. In your opinion, who won the draw and who lost it? So I'm going to say that Atalanta won because this is their first ever Champions League appearance in their history. They've already won one knockout series, so they're in the quarterfinals. Plus, they had a great you know, opponent coming up because Paris Saint-Germain, they have not played a game since March. And, I mean, when it's a winner-take-all game and you haven't played a competitive match in over 180, okay, maybe around 180 days. That's a uh, recipe for disaster. Yeah, and I think Juventus lost, you know, assuming they get through Lyon, which is expected, but you never know. They could face a red-hot city team or the presumptive Liga champion Real Madrid. Plus, they'd have to get through Bayern Munich, um, assuming they beat either Napoli or Barcelona. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not an easy road for them. And speaking of Bayern Munich, our favorite soccer league is coming back even sooner than I expected because the Bundesliga, they're going to begin their 2020-2021 campaign on September 18. So, I mean, we hope that American football will return, but if not, I mean, we might have to bring back around the Bundesliga. 
Absolutely. And even if there is football, we might just do it anyway, honestly. Just a shortened version. Yeah, I mean, we can go for it. Now, moving on now to our fourth big story. The return to college sports has been a hot topic this week. The Ivy League became the first D1 conference to cancel all fall sports. Is the Ivy League an outlier for the first domino to fall? So last year in March, it was the Ivy League that canceled their basketball tournament first before the entire country started freaking out. Just 48 hours later, pretty much every sporting event in America had shut down. So they were they were ahead of the curve there, but um, I don't think that they're going to be in the majority of schools that you know canceled to for the coronavirus. Um, it's kind of different because all right, yeah, just just rescue me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't think I don't think they're the first domino to fall. Um, they just don't have the TV revenue like SEC schools, basically the Power Five conferences have. They're not really losing that much, I guess you could say. They are, but in terms of the TV revenue, definitely not as much as the Power Five conferences. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the ACC became the first Power Five conference to delay starting their season, pushing back the date for sports to begin to September 1st. The SEC will later do the same thing. What are your thoughts on this? Man, I think this really shows the football all-cost mentality. Because there's uh, sports like soccer, volleyball, um, all of them have games scheduled or events scheduled before September 1st. So, mm-hmm. Yep, this would include exhibitions, so, so that would be really unfortunate for teams trying to, you know, work with a bunch of new players and, mm-hmm. you know, try and get started with, uh, yeah, just jumping in completely without getting any warm-up. This week, the Big Ten, Pac-12, and MAC Conference announced they would be playing conference-only schedules for all sports. Fall sports. Do conference-only schedules make sense? I mean, in theory, they kind of do, but I I don't really see it. Um, we looked up some of the distances that schools would have to travel to um, for every FBS school. And there is only one case where the farthest distance traveled is less than 1,000 miles. So, I don't know. I just don't really think it's that great of an idea if the goal is to reduce travel. But if the goal is to, um, you know, have uniform testing policies and stuff like that, so every team will be subjected to the same rules when it comes to testing and quarantining and things like that, then it starts to make a little more sense. Yeah, that's a good point. The uniform tests and policies, I think that's a big factor involved. Like you said, it doesn't really decrease travel that much because in some cases they're still having to travel over a 1,000 miles in most cases um, from e-conference-wise. But I think it theoretically makes sense, but practically, no, not really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it could also be, you know, if they are if they have to move it to the spring, it could just be to try and have less games played. But from what I understand, a spring football season is sort of a, uh, a last resort at this point. Yeah, because that would impact all the NFL stuff, like the combine, the draft, and then you have the fall season that same calendar year. So if you're on a good team, like let's say Alabama, 
and they make it all the way for that shortened season, they could be playing 30 games in one calendar year. That's crazy. Yeah, definitely. So which uh, which canceled game were you the most excited about? Michigan-Washington. I know very nice people who are Michigan and Washington fans. Fair enough. Um, <clears throat> I'm a little disappointed that the Ohio State versus Oregon game isn't going to happen. Um, Ohio State, very good team. Oregon, a Pac-12 challenger who, if they lose this game, they probably wouldn't have gotten into the playoffs. But if they win, that puts them in the driver's seat. So, so that would have been exciting, plus a uh, probably terrible uniforms from Oregon. But I don't know. We will, uh, we'll just have to wonder about that. Actually, I, I misread the question. My bad. Can I answer it better now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. good. So I'm really disappointed. Well, it hasn't happened yet. I really want to see Tennessee-Oklahoma. I would love to see that game. Now, Oklahoma's Big 12. I don't think they've made any announcement yet. Wait. Uh-oh. They have not. That's good. I thought you just got an alert or something. That oh. is good. <laughs> no. Um, and then Tennessee is in the SEC. I'm hoping that's not canceled. I think Tennessee seems like a team on the rise. Oklahoma, they've produced good quarterbacks. Lincoln Riley coaches them well. They produce strong teams that unfortunately don't do well in the playoff, but they're still a good team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So for now, let's just assume that every conference is going to play in in in-conference schedule only. How is this going to affect teams in the Southeastern Conference and in the Atlantic Coast Conference, where teams only play eight conference games a year as opposed to the other other Power 5 schools? Yeah, they might add an extra game from a team from the opposite division of theirs. Yep. And there would be obviously less a lesser standard for making a bowl game if they're going to stick with all the bowl games they have now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Sometimes the simple answer is the best answer, and that's probably the easiest way of resolving a, uh, the issue at hand. Mm-hmm. Just for fun, if the SEC does add a game, who would you want to play at South Carolina? Let's see, the obvious answer is Arkansas, because they're they're having quite a rough stretch right now. But I am going to choose Mississippi State, because I want to see uh, Mike Leach and just see what he has in mind for in his first year in Starkville. I'm going to go to Alabama. Let's go for the best, and hope we win. Mm-hmm. We yeah. had him in the first half last year, not going to lie. But, <laughs> there we go. Yes. But, uh, yeah, so how is this going to affect, um, like, the independent schools that are in the football bowl subdivision but not in a conference? I think they get one-year membership in a conference, and that would help with the, like, lesser amount of games because you have these independents, and there's only a, a few of them, like Army, UConn, BYU, Notre Dame. I'm sure there's more I'm not thinking of. Mm-hmm. But that would help with the like eight games a season compared to when you normally have twelve. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I mean, Notre Dame they could you know join the ACC. Army could join the uh, the MAC. I think they're in the relatively same area. Um, yeah. Just schools like that. Hopefully they can just assimilate in, and you know maybe that works out. Maybe that's not the way to go. Maybe the better option is to just have them play in the. Uh, FCS, 
which is football championship for one season and just see how that goes. But, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. This reminds me actually of a game that's canceled that I was looking forward to. Just thought of it now. It was Wisconsin Notre Dame mm-hmm. at, uh, I think it was supposed to be at Wrigley Field or was it Lambeau? Gosh. I, I feel like it was Lambeau, but Wrigley would have been amazing. Either one's still cool. Why did I say Wrigley? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think it was Lambeau. I was looking forward to that game actually. But anyway, how do you think all this will affect smaller schools? Uh, it's not going to help them, that's for sure. So the idea of um, guarantee games, that's sort of what they're called. That's when big schools pay smaller schools to come and play a game at their home stadium to more or less guarantee a win. But yeah, Clemson last year, they paid Wofford about $300,000. They paid UNC Charlotte a million dollars to come down to uh, Memorial Stadium to play a couple of games. So without these games that, you know, really helped their athletics budget, this would really, uh, you know, not be good for those schools. Yeah, it wouldn't because schools like, this reminds me of Troy, they they tend to upset these larger teams in these sentence, you know, a few years ago they beat LSU. I think they beat Nebraska. Um, this year they're playing at Tennessee. That could be, well, assuming... It's not going to be conference only. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, these schools like Troy, it really helps their athletic budget, and they're really going to take a hit, which means less scholarships. And, you know, if you're an athlete, it's nice to go somewhere where you're getting a scholarship for it rather than having to walk on. Yeah, definitely. So you sort of talked about this earlier, but in a reduced season, what do you expect that a minimum win total would be for a bowl game? Just half of whatever amount of games they play. If it's eight, then four. If it's ten, then five. If it's nine, five, I guess. Four and a half uh, wins. Four and One a half. tie. <laughs> there you go. Problem solved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it's up to me, though, I would keep it at six wins just so there are less teams and therefore less bowl games. Uh, back in episode 10, we listed bowl games that we thought were important enough to play in a shortened season. So maybe only keep those 20 and then have six win schools eligible for them. And uh, hopefully that pans out. Possibly not. But we, we shall see. Do you think there's a scenario where football is not played, but other fall sports such as soccer are? Um, I would say no. Because football is really the moneymaker at every school. And just if I were a football player, I'd be kind of annoyed that my season got canceled, but other sports like, you know, soccer, volleyball, field hockey, they would be allowed to continue. And I mean, vice versa as well. If football is the only thing that's allowed to be played, but then, you know, soccer is canceled, I'd be annoyed as well. So I think it's all or nothing. Yeah, for sure. And moving football this spring opens up a whole Pandora box of problems where you touched on earlier, like players who want to go to the NFL, will they play? Um, and then the the schedule conflicting with the draft and then playing a game outside in Minnesota in February. And then also the early enrollees, like if they roll in January, like a lot of do, they graduate high school early. Will they be allowed to play? I don't know. So I think it's really, I don't, I don't see football if they, 
football not played in the fall for other sports will. I just don't see that happening. Okay, we are now at our big thank you, and this week we are thanking the basketball tournament because uh, basketball was back in America last week. Yeah, although not exactly March Madness, this league brought the entertainment for the past 10 days. Indeed, 24 teams went to Columbus, Ohio to fight for the $1 million grand prize for the champion. The tournament was full of storylines and upsets, the biggest of which was the number 22 seed, sideline cancers, and probable run to the championship game. Mm-hmm. Great for them, and I'm sure they raised a lot of money along the way for cancer research. In the end, though, it was the Golden Eagles, a team comprised of Marquette alumni, who took home the championship. One of the different rules in the tournament was the Elam ending. With four minutes to go, the clock is turned off, and seven points are added to the leader's score. For example, if a team is winning 70 to 65, the first team to 77 would win the game. Do you like this? I, I kind of like it. Um, we saw something like this in the NBA All-Star game last year, um, and that brought a lot of excitement. I don't see it you know, translating over to college basketball or the NBA, but it was a really neat sort of new idea to just see how that works out. Yeah, it's a neat idea. I don't see it translating. I mean, basically, a team could be mediocre all game and then go on this amazing run late in the game and win, which mm-hmm. is awesome. But I think for the purposes of college basketball and NBA, it's not really realistic, mm-hmm. I guess. Makes sense. So huge thank you to the basketball tournament for giving us live basketball. I mean, that's something I've missed a lot since March, and... Congratulations again to the Golden Eagles on their victory.